once again, I'm going to say thank you very much for affording me the opportunity to speak. I do not take it for granted. This is always a high honor and a privilege in my estimation. It really is. And today, well, one quick announcement. VBS is coming up starting June 6th. Is that correct? And I'm telling you, we still need people to help out. So if you're available that week, Monday through Thursday, we could really use the help. Trust me. Uh, VBS, in my mind, is one of the most important things that we do as a church. The vast majority of people that make a decision for Jesus do so in their younger years. So remember that. Everything you can do to help out with VBS, even if all you're going to do is pray for it, please do that because it makes all the difference in the world. This might be the only time that some of these kids that are coming will ever hear the life-saving, changing truth of the gospel. So please don't take it for granted. Now this morning, I would like to talk to you for a couple of minutes from the title of Navigating the Nonsense. And here in a minute, I'm going to show you a couple examples of nonsense, but we, I don't think that's even necessary. You would be a, you'd be blind to not look around, to watch the news, turn on the TV, read a newspaper, open up your browser on the internet, and not see ample examples of nonsense all the time. And if I could real quick, I'd like to define that word from the the concise Oxford English Dictionary, nonsense, spoken or written words that have no meaning or making no sense, or foolish or unacceptable behavior, the very opposite of sense, a lack of wisdom or prudence. We have nonsense all around. We're beset by nonsense all the time, a lack of sense, a lack of wisdom. And even though I don't think we need examples of this, I would just like to show you a few that I've come across in the last little bit that I just think drives the point home. Missy, could you share that first one, please? Now, pay very close attention to what this lady says at the beginning of this meeting. And bear in mind, this is a meeting that is in a church, a Christian church, and this is a, there's at least a couple hundred people assembled in this building right now. They're homosexuals, and they're transgender people, and I'm, I'm not trying to hammer on any of these people this morning. Jesus loves every one of them. He died on a cross for every one of them. But I just want to illustrate some of this as being pure and idiotic nonsense. Listen to what she says very carefully at the beginning. Please go ahead. Good morning, the holy and queer one be with you. Could you play that one more time? Good morning and welcome to worship. Good morning, the holy and queer one be with you. Did you catch that? The holy and queer one be with you. Now, I want to show you that my son found this, this next it's an ad for a particular book, and he saw this in a TikTok video about a year or so ago, and he brought it to my attention, and part of me wanted to say, I can't believe it, but another part of me said, that's par for the course. Can you read what it says? The Queen James Bible. This is an actually, this is an Amazon ad for this particular book. And it goes on to say, again, I'm not trying to bash on homosexuals. Jesus loves every single one of them. But I want to illustrate the fact that it goes on to say in the description of this book that it's, it's, it's a Bible that has been paraphrased from the King James to basically do away with some of the misconceptions that us fundamentalist Christians have about homosexuality. And it says something in it that is true. It says you do not see the word homosexual or homosexuality 
in the Scriptures until the Revised Standard Version of 1947. That, in essence, is correct, but hear me out. The word homosexual is relatively new in the English language, comparatively speaking. It doesn't change the fact that the concept or the truth of homosexuality is absolutely condemned in Scripture. There is at least ten major portions of Scripture that undoubtedly condemn homosexuality. Not homosexuals. Again, Jesus loves every single one of them. But I'm telling you, it condemns the practice of homosexuality like it does all sin. Sin is not good. God, you know, we've been talking in Connect Group about He had this perfect design. The first circle, He had this perfect design of the way things should be, and then we have deviated from that. And in that, okay, the word homosexual doesn't appear until the Revised Standard Version of 1947. But it used words before that like abuser and sodomite. Those words mean the exact same thing if you translate it from the Hebrew and uh, Aramaic and the Greek into English. Don't let anybody tell you they're trying... The bottom line is we have an entire generation that is trying to change the Word of God, and we are very guilty of it too sometimes, to fit our own personality, our own desires, our own wants, and we don't want anything to make us upset, to hurt our feelings, to put us down. We don't want that. Our flesh doesn't want that. Could you go ahead and show the next, next example? Which I want you to know... Just how far are you willing to go to achieve the look you've always wanted? Well, in the case of Anthony Lefredo, there seems to be no limit. Body modifications have been around since the beginning of time, and every one of us have modified our bodies in one way or another. However, today we're going to look at a man whose sole goal in life is to transform himself to look like an alien. This is the story of the Black Alien Project. From an early age, Anthony was fascinated with mutations and transforming the human body. He would even say his passion for bodybuilding had a lot to do with that. Cause let's be real. Body dysmorphia is very much alive and haunts a lot of people. You know, that thing where you look good but for some reason you don't think you do and you want more? Anyways, it all clicked one day when he was working as a security That's guard. Good, thank he you. realized he wasn't living like... I feel for this guy in a lot of ways. I think it's completely insane what he's doing. I, I'm, I'm assuming there's a certain degree of mental health issues involved with this. I don't know for sure. But if he wakes up next week and decides, you know, this was all a mistake, I don't want to do it, there's no going back. He had his nose cut off, his upper lip cut off, his ears cut off. He had uh, implants put into his head. That he was really sincere about trying to look like an alien. This sort of thing's going on all over the world. There's another one. I didn't have time to find it, but I've seen it. There's a guy that through tattooing and body piercing and body modification, he's making himself look like a lizard. He even had his tongue bifurcated. And there's another example that I have of this that I, I didn't find the picture of, it, but it's really, you could Google this and find this out. Amy read an article about a year ago, and it popped in my head, and I started researching it. But you know what the sclera is? The sclera is the white part of your eye. And there's a lot of people now, because, so they want to change it because white is dull and boring, so they're tattooing the white part of their eye. And you can Google this. I mean, there's people who do it with a blue, red, and you know what? It looks interesting. But again, there's no coming back from that if you want to change. And the article that Amy showed me was a young lady about 19 years old that wanted to do this. She did it on her own to tattoo her scleras blue. And guess what? One of her eyes got severely infected, 
And even though through a course of seven or eight different antibiotics, they couldn't do anything and they had to take her eyeball out of her head. There's no going back for that. Proverbs 22.20, if you could bring that up, Missy, I'd appreciate it. This is what I'm trying to say. God brought this in where have I not written to you of excellent things, of counsels and knowledge? Excellent things. Wisdom. He has given us the capacity for common sense, for wisdom, for, for reason. At one time, we based all of our decisions in life on objective truth. It could be reasoned. It could be thought out. And now it's all about subjective emotions, really. How does that make me feel? Now, let me say this. God created emotions. There's a time and a place for emotion. He is a God of emotion. But He keeps it in perfect check. The emotions in our life are the caboose of the train, not the engine. You understand what I'm saying? You don't want to drive the train by the emotions. Your emotions will change depending upon how much pizza you eat. It it does. It's a fact. If you drink too much caffeine, it will change your emotions. You... I love old country music, but I'm only good for about three or four songs because it changes every... You ever heard that old joke? You know what happens if you play country music backwards? Your wife doesn't leave you. You don't lose your home. Your dog doesn't die. I was expecting more humor than that. But But it's true. I love old country music. I'm telling you, some of the greatest songs that have ever been written, but I'm only good for about four or five songs at once because I'm telling you, it depresses me. It really does. Emotions are the caboose, not the engine. We are living in a generation, not just in this country, all over the world, but it's really prominent here. Because I'll tell you why it's prominent here. Because even as a young man, I would have never assumed. I come to know Jesus when I was 17 years old, and I would have never thought, no matter how crazy things would get in the world, that things would be like they are now. I, I just had no concept of that. We're losing our minds as a society. Because we're not basing it on this anymore. Objective truth, the plumb line, the holy word of God. This book is, I'm telling you, Mike and I are talking about putting a class together for anybody who wants to take it. be all voluntarial, and maybe we'll do it on video so you can watch what you want, of why you can trust this book. Don't listen to what they say on the news about it. You can trust this book. Well, it's been changed so many times, Brother Chris. You can't try. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest archaeolo- the greatest archaeological find in the history of the world was found in the Qumran Valley of Israel in 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls. They found hundreds of copies of Scripture. And when you compare those copies to the copies of Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the, the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic texts, There are virtually no changes between what they've used to translate the Bible for the last 2,000 years and what they found in 1947. There are a few changes. There are changes slightly in grammar, changes slightly in spelling, but nothing whatsoever at all that would change the integrity of a doctrinal statement as outlined in the Bible. Nothing. Don't listen to these people. They'll tell you all the time, you can't trust the Bible. Give me one reason why you can't. The more I put my trust in this book, the straighter my ship goes in life. Can anybody else relate to that? The, the world is crazy. It's a, you know what? And this book says it. The world's always going to be crazy. This is not crazy. Our interpretation of it can be. 
Our understanding of it certainly can be. We see through a glass dimly. Guess what? This book says that too. But this book is perfect. This is what God has given to us, how He's revealed Himself to us. There's much more about God we will never know or understand. But what He wants us to know is right here. We're living in a generation where humans are trying to create God in their own image. Opposite of what He designed it. If not in their own image, in their own imagination. They want to make Him a user-friendly God that's going to say yes to anything they want to feel, anything they want to do. And I tell you what, I have been guilty of this too. And let me stress this again. If you're going to church on a regular basis and you are hearing the Word of God rightly divided, which I sincerely hope I am doing this morning, but I know when Pastor Mike is preaching, it's happening. If you're listening to the Word of God being preached when it's being broke down correctly, or if you're reading it yourself, which you should be, if it is not occasionally, I'm not saying all the time, but if it is not occasionally whipping up on you, stepping on your feet and offending you, there's some error there. And I know it's not with this. Just even this week, I had two or three examples of being in my quiet time reading the Word where I'm like, God, please forgive me, because I know in that particular area, I am not living up to what you want. God is going to hurt your feelings sometimes. You're not going to hear that a lot in this day and age, because let me tell you something, your feelings are not as important as your soul. Your feelings are not as important as the sanctification that He wants us to walk in and growing in the truth and growing into being a mature adult Christian. Sometimes our feelings... The Eagles had a song a few years ago when they got back together in reunion, one of their reunion tours, and that said, basically, you've got to find your inner child and kick his little butt. And sometimes that needs to happen. But we're in a generation... And look, I'm not trying to make lie to people who need therapy. Mental health, I'm not making light of that. But not all of it can be, well, your inner child just, he never, you know, he needs to be, do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you need to be encouraged. And sometimes your inner child needs to be healed. But sometimes your inner child needs to be disciplined. We're living in a, I tell you what, I worked for 28 years for the Illinois Department of Corrections. And a lot of you who have worked there, I know there's a lot of people in this church that have retired from there, and I think that you would agree with me. It is full. Menard has about 3,000 inmates in it, and I guarantee you the vast majority of them there had one extreme or the other. They had people that didn't care for them in any capacity whatsoever, or they had people that just beat the tar out of them all the time. There wasn't a middle ground. And we have to have that middle ground. Now, my main passage of Scripture this morning I'd like to share comes from, well, if I get the page to turn correctly. Just go ahead and bring that up. It's the Timothy passage. There we go. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires." And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside the myths. I'm going to tell you right now, here's a big myth. 
God is not queer. There are queer things about Almighty God if you look at the actual definition of that word. There are strange things about Him we do not know or do not understand. God works in mysterious ways. That is a fact. But I'm telling you, He is Almighty Abba Father God. He's not a force. He's not a concept. He's not a philosophy. He is a person. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the living God. And I'm telling you, we live... We have to come to God on His terms, not the other way around. We come to God the way He says it, the way He wants it, the way He does it. Now, there is a great reward in coming to God and doing things His way, but it's not the other way around. You cannot slap God onto your lifestyle and say, just bless everything I want to do and feel, Lord. It doesn't work like that. It just doesn't. There are things when you, if you really accept Jesus into your heart and you're really walking with Him, there are going to be times when He says no. That doesn't necessarily mean, in fact, it doesn't mean that He is condemning you. But He wants that certain behavior or that attitude to stop. He wants to replace it with better behaviors and attitudes. And if you look at Scripture, some of it is, I tell you what, whatever a person wants to believe, if you want to be a transgender person, or if you choose to be a homosexual, whatever it's going to be, or if you choose, I'll do you one better. Say you're a heterosexual, but you think it's okay to go sleep around and commit fornication and adultery all the time, and God says that's okay, you go ahead and believe whatever you want to believe. Do you. But I'm telling you, you're going to hit the wall hard sooner or later on that. I know I have when it comes to disobeying the Lord. I've hit the wall hard. I'm not perfect. Oh, Lord. I've got so far to go on that. But that's the point of sanctification. He's going to remind us. Word of God, speak. Chris, you, that's no. No, 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 no. You've got to stop doing that. But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now, I'm going to real quickly, I'm not going to keep you very much longer, but I'm going to give you a couple of points on how we can navigate through the nonsense that's out there. Number one, do not allow yourself to be deceived. Matthew 24, 4, if you look at it, Matthew 24 is one of the key chapters of end-time Bible prophecy. Jesus tells His disciples what can be expected in the last days. And one of the first things He says in that is this, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. No one. There's a part of me right now, I tell you what, that wishes the Bible didn't say certain things that it says. I'll tell you why. I have homosexual friends. And I don't like confrontation. And I wouldn't want anything that would drive a wedge between me and them being friends. But at the same time, I have to make a commitment, which I have, that I'm not going to deny what the Word of God says on it. I'm not going to come up and slap them in the face with it, but if it comes up in conversation, I'm not going to backpedal on it. Because I love them and because Jesus loves them. But I would rather it not say those things. But you know what? We don't have that option. We just don't. Do not let yourself be deceived. Galatians chapter 1. Here's another prominent piece of Scripture on not allowing yourself to be deceived. Paul writes this, 
Starting in verse 6, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. We're in a generation where people are creating their own gospels all the time. Their own good news. Their own truth. For a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you receive, let him be accursed. I don't know if you see exactly what Paul's saying there, but let me divide it a little bit for you. He's even saying, if I show up to you 20 years from now, and I try to teach you something other than what's already been taught, I'm to be accursed. Don't listen to what I have to say if I'm saying something different than what is already being established. And I'm going to tell you right now, this might make some people mad at me, and this might make it to where, you know, it doesn't want to be heard, but that's just like any of the religious movements that have come out of that. Islam, for one. If somebody shows up preaching another gospel, Jehovah's Witness, if somebody shows up preaching another gospel, Jesus loves every Muslim. He loves every Jehovah's Witness. But I'm telling you, anything that is trying to create or state another gospel other than what has been preached, He is to be accursed. There's not another gospel. I love how Pastor Mike says it. There's not a plan B or C when it comes to the gospel. There's just plan A. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. Now, how do you keep from being deceived? You've got to be in the Word. This is, how, this is what builds our discernment. This is the plumb line. This is the standard. This is the standard. This is how we relate to what God desires and what He wants. Do we know all truth? Absolutely not. We're wrong all the time. This book is not wrong. Be in the Word. There's no excuse for it in this day and age. Well, Brother Chris, I don't understand it. Start simple. There's a hundred thousand things out there that's available to you to get into the Word and study it and understand it without having to, having to become a theologian or anything like that. Well, I don't even know where to start. I would say start in the Gospel of John. That's a really good place to start. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You go on down to John 17, 17, it says, what does it say? Sanctify them in the truth. Thy Word is truth. And does anybody remember what John said in 14.6? What Jesus said in John 14.6? There you go. I am the way. I am the truth. The truth of the Word of God. And we've got to pray, folks. If you're involved in pray and go, God bless you and don't slow down on it and keep going. If you're not involved in pray and go, I'm going to say, guys, really consider about getting involved in pray and go. It costs you nothing more than about 45 minutes, an hour of walking and praying once a week, once, excuse me, once every two or three months. But even if you can't commit to that, could you at least pray for the people that are doing pray and go? Pray that the people that they pray over in their homes will be receptive to the message and hear it. Pray for Randolph County in Chester, Illinois. There's no reason why we can't pray. Praying will tune in our discernment of what we've read in the book. And I say this, stay in fellowship. One of the most important things we can do. In fact, I'd say those three things right there, being in the Word, praying, and staying in fellowship are the three most important things you can do to navigate through the nonsense. A lot of people don't like staying in fellowship because I'm going to tell you right now, 
not just coming in on Sunday morning and drinking a cup of coffee and hanging out and listening to the message, but if you really get involved with other people in the church, they're going to see your vulnerabilities. They're going to see your mistakes. And that's not a comfortable thing sometimes. We don't like that. But you know what? Part of the process of growing into being a mature Christian is allowing yourself to be vulnerable to other people. So they can encourage you. They can pray for you. And I tell you what, when you get thinking, man, I don't want them to know, see what kind of a failure I am on this, I guarantee you, those other people, they're failures too. And they can encourage you. And you can encourage them. Stay in fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24-25. One of the most important passages of Scripture, I think. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And I'm going to say it again. If you don't think the day is drawing near, you are intentionally choosing to be blind. This world's going crazy. I tell my boys all the time, this isn't the United States it's supposed to be. It's just not. This isn't what it's supposed to be. That's a story for another time. Romans chapter 13, I won't read through it, but we need part of that staying in fellowship is being under authority, submitted to authority. That's another thing a lot of us don't like. That's another thing the Bible teaches. uh, Well, authorities make mistakes all the time, Brother Chris. I know that. I understand that. But we're still supposed to be submitted to our authorities. Let me do you one better. You're never going to get away from authority in your life. You're always going to have a boss. You're always going to have a sheriff. You're always going to have somebody over you. And you might as well accept it and submit to it. But what if they mess up? Okay, well, there's a time and a place to deal with that. Most times, your authorities are not going to do anything to you that is absolutely detrimental. Let me do you one better. I talked about this last night, and it's not really in my notes, but I want to share this. I do not believe that the Bible teaches unconditional obedience. Now hear me out. I do believe it teaches absolutely unconditional submission. There's a difference between obedience and submission. I saw it work all the time. And anybody that's been in any kind of work environment with other people, I'm sure you've seen this too. But especially those of you who worked in the Department of Corrections, You've seen people that would get an order, and I tell you what, I've probably been guilty of this too, maybe not to that extreme. They've been told something to do by a superior, and they go and do it, but they're clenching their teeth and like, I hate him. He is such an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. I'm going to go do it, but he's just so stupid. They're obeying the order, but their heart is nowhere near where they're supposed to be according to what this teaches. Your authorities can tell you to do something that is absolutely against the moral code that we know. It's rare that it happens, but they can. And as a Christian, you cannot obey that. But you can still be submitted to them in the appropriate attitude that the Bible teaches. Sir or ma'am, what you're telling me to do is not correct. I can't do that. You are the boss, and I respect that. But I cannot do that thing. There is a difference, and a lot of it has to do with attitude. I think a lot of it is we don't want God to change our attitude sometimes. We want our attitude, oh, I'm right. I'm right, and that's all there is to it. You can literally be correct and be dead wrong at the same time. That's also a story for another time. And one more thing about navigating the nonsense that I really absolutely believe we need to do. One of my the most favorite passages of Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 5. 
You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith. You know one of the biggest things I've learned about being firm in your faith? And I'm not trying to say there's anything against watching TV. But I know that I have more doubt and more suspicion about what the Word of God really says when I'm watching the gunk on TV. When I'm streaming certain shows. There is not a show one out there that does not have something that is, that's gunk in it. Have you guys seen something like that that doesn't have the gunk? Share it with me because I'd like to watch it. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Be humble. Understand that I'm telling you these people that God loves them. We need to love them too. We need to pray for them. We need to stay humble because I'm telling you, we're not right. Psalm 50. But to the wicked, God says, what right do you have to take my covenant in your mouth? We're not right because we're American Christian. We're not right because we're Baptist. We're not right because of anything we've done or decided to do. We're right. If we're right, it's because of Jesus. And we need to stay humble to that fact. I can do nothing without you, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to have the right attitude without you, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to do the right thing without you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to be deceived and fall into every kind of nonsense that comes along without you, Lord Jesus. I'm not right because I'm good or anything like that. I'm right because of what He did when He came into my heart and life. And if we're all honest, I think we can agree with that. Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for this time. And I do humbly ask that You would stir us up to be a people that learns to navigate through the nonsense of this world by sticking true to Your Word and to praying and seeking You, to staying humble and to staying into fellowship and staying vulnerable with fellow believers and learning to encourage each other and accept encouragement. God, to swallow our pride and just understand that we do need each other. God, we need You most of all. God, we need You. Lord God, rend the heavens and come down and change this situation. Give us a great awakening. Give us one more great revival. God, we don't deserve it. You are deserving of all praise and glory and honor and power. Lord, we humbly ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if the team would come up, we're going to play one more song before we cut loose for the day. I very much appreciate your patience and willingness to listen to what I had to say. And guys, please make it a point to get in the Word. And learn how to navigate the nonsense the way the Lord wants us to.